0: Rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals.
1: Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen!
0: Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And just a few reminders before we get started, we have a special episode coming up. But please remember to email us at infogallerypodcasts.com. We love to hear from our listeners. Also follow us on Instagram at Royally
2: Obsessed Podcast, Rachel. What are we talking about today? We have so much a toast to Princess Anne's wedding anniversary. Also, Meghan's double win against the Daily Mail, Prince William takes a rather idyllic walk, I would say. Yeah. And we are joined by the one, the only Elizabeth Holmes, Instagrammer and author of HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style, to talk about all the royal things. But she's also going to be hosting a very special Q&A about our book, Royal Trivia, Your Guide to the Modern British Royal Family, which comes out December 21st. It's very soon. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hey. Hey, welcome. Yay. I'm so here to celebrate. Your book. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. We're so honored to have you back too. How have you been doing? How's I feel like we've been following along. L.A. Christmas seems very oh, fascinating. Yeah, you know
3: we're good out here. I feel like, um, yeah, the royal news just keeps coming, right? There's so much to talk about. And I also have a newsletter now, which is keeping me super busy, um, which is very fun. And yeah, things are good.
2: Your newsletter is fantastic. We absolutely love it. Everyone should subscribe. It's amazing. Thank I thank loved you. your
0: breakdown of uh, the Princess in the Press doc and the exhibition on Diana. That was so exciting. It's nice to step away from Instagram every now and then and give my thumbs a break, yeah.
3: <laughs> writing paragraphs
2: every now and then. I know. I feel <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like i've been noticing i need like i don't know like dedicated massages to this area of my so much work on my my (laughs) phone i know i know
3: but then things like that i went to the princess diana exhibition that's here in los angeles and to be able to Interview one of the photographers and you know do a QA and do it in sort of a longer form space where people can read it at their leisure and not, you know, have it disappear on in Instagram stories is really nice. Mm-hmm. So the
0: newsletter's been fun.
2: Well we have a lot coming up, but what are we sipping? And now it's
0: time
1: for the weekly royal cocktail.
0: We wanted to be festive with this, so I actually did it's kind of this random thing. It's a company, it's a new company called Hey Bartender, and they're doing virtual cocktail classes. So I signed up and I made Dun, dun, dun. It's a spiced holiday martini. And it has instead of dry vermouth, it has sweet vermouth. And then vodka, bitters, vanilla, simple syrup. So this is my first sip of it, so who knows how this is. I feel going. like Roberta cool. is
2: such an expert cocktail maker after the <laughs> pandemic. Like, this is you've my been favorite doing a regular the show. routine. <laughs> I just put like champagne in a glass. So I did not get it. I but it bubbles. I felt like that was festive. <laughs> it is festive. It's hard in the afternoon. Like I have some big big. One of our guests told
0: up. us to always to do like a half cocktail and then add something sparkling yeah, on Yeah, just top, top it, it off really with a little sparkling. Because I always feel yeah, like you yeah. have to drink
2: the whole... When I open a bottle of champagne, Noah Rothbaum. So he, when he came on, he said that. And then you can kind of use up, yeah, use up the rest of the bottle while we're sipping. We have our listener email from Genevieve. This is a good one, and I feel like Elizabeth, you might have some thoughts on this. A royally inspired trip to Santa Barbara is the subject, and I shortened it a little bit for time. But Genevieve wrote to say that she recently took a trip for work to Santa Barbara, and given that it was her first real travel since before the pandemic, she decided to extend it and accidentally, or not, gave it a royal spin. So since she writes. Since I had already visited Los Angeles a couple of times and had a hunch that after two days of meetings I would want some quiet, inspiration suddenly hit and I realized that Santa Barbara might be the perfect getaway. While Santa Barbara is actually slightly past Montecito and I didn't have any run-ins with Oprah, my couple of days in the town, walking along the beach and taking in the spectacular scenery, foliage, and warmth were heaven. I realized that what was for me simply a break after a whirlwind corporate trip might be a salve to Meghan and Harry after the abuse they suffered at the hands or pens of the British tabloids. Not only was it probably cathartic for Meghan to come home, but I couldn't imagine anywhere mentally farther away from royal life and hope that it brings them the peace I experienced in just a couple of days." She adds, I'll close by stating that writing this email has been on my to-do list ever since I got back, and I'm glad I finally found some quiet time during the holiday to send it, which I felt like, yes, holiday to-do lists are out of control for everyone right now. But I feel like, Elizabeth, as someone that recently moved to the LA area, do you feel this energy in California? I mean, it's – every time I visit, I'm just – No
0: royal run-ins yet, right? No
3: royal run-ins yet, though. (laughs) I need to, like, linger on the beach up there (laughs) see if I see a cute dog or something. Yeah. no, I I think about it a lot. Um it's interesting we moved and we bought our first house here and I've been decorating it for Christmas and I did have a moment where I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, like what it felt like for Megan and Harry to decorate their, you know, house here for Christmas and and it, you know, California especially Southern California, because I moved from Northern California down here and Southern California has a real vibe. You know, it's a very relaxed, very, you know, like fresh air. And, you know, even in December you get to be outside all the time because it's so gorgeous. And I think about that a lot actually with the two of them, because I think it must be like quite literally a breath of fresh air.
2: Yeah, I did want to also, so we had this really exciting opportunity. I wanted to give an update on the sheep sweater giveaway that we did last week. And Elizabeth is wearing the red sheep sweater from Rowing Blazers, which feels very (laughs) appropriate to this conversation. It's amazing. But uh, one of our listeners, Iris, was the lucky winner of the sheep sweater that one of our listeners Paulette graciously donated. But rowing blazers actually generously offered to match her donation, making it possible for us to gift one more sweater to Sonia. And she is a listener who wrote in. She sent us an essay about the meaning the sweater would have to her daughter's sixth grade teacher, Miss Hugis. Miss Hugus taught all pandemic via a London themed Zoom classroom where she had a life size cutout of the Queen with her for all of her (laughs) teachings. She even (laughs) rescued a corgi that became the class mascot. So we're very, very excited. And thank you so much to Rowing Blazers to be able to gift a second sweater to Miss Hugus via Sonia.
0: We truly couldn't decide.
2: That's why we had to reach out to her. So many wonderful essays about what the sheep sweater means to everyone. So very
3: very festive feeling it is quite the piece and it's like obviously it's all over my instagram but i don't see it out in the world you know like when i'm walking around here in la so every time i wear it i always feel like a
0: little yeah it's like a a really special piece still yeah and it's like a little wink to other royal insiders when you do Mm -hmm. see it because it's like i get it you know what this means it means so much more than just the sweater so yeah totally all right well this week in royal history and now this week in royal history we're flashing back almost 30 years ago to when Princess Anne remarried. So this was December 12th, 1992. And we know 1992 was said to be the Queen's annus horribilis. We had, you know, the publishing of Diana, Her True Story by Andrew Martin. That hit shelves that year. The separation of Diana and Charles was also officially announced. But there was also, you know, Andrew and Fergie's separation. Anne's divorce from Mark Phillips was finalized. The Windsor Castle fire, which was said to be very traumatic for the Queen. So a really tough year, but then this beautiful bright spot of Princess Anne's wedding to Vice Admiral Sir Timothy Lawrence. So ITN's David Chatter is reporting from the big day. Here's that clip.
2: The Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh took to the road in Scotland today smiling. Despite the
3: divisions in the House of Windsor, the round of official duties continued. Public engagements, too, for the Princess Royal north of the border on the eve of her wedding to Commander Lawrence. Buckingham Palace confirmed the official guest list included the Queen Mother, as well as the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. The Princess Royal's two children, Peter and Zara, will also be there. As rumours continued all day about who wouldn't be going, the press were making quite sure of their positions outside the church. The Princess Royal is keeping them at more than arm's length though. She insists it will be a
1: private family affair and has hired her own camera team to take the pictures. They'll be handed out later at a price.
0: I love the insight and the flashback to these broadcasts. Wow. But also, you know, there were only 30 people at this second wedding. It was very intimate. It was at Crathy Church near Balmoral Castle in Scotland. A micro wedding before micro weddings. Yeah, <laughs> she, set, yeah. she set the trend. Yeah, she, it was such a departure, too, from her first wedding gown, which I don't know if you guys remember, but it was that Tudor-style gown with, like, the trumpet sleeves and the very high neck and fitted bodice. It showed off the tiara, right? Yes, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. So she wore re-wore her mother's wedding day, tiara too so um this time just a white knee-length dress under a high neck white suit jacket she had white flowers in her hair and her bouquet was just a spray of white heather of course sir timothy wore his naval uniform for the small ceremony and honestly i have to say i i need to admit i didn't know much about him before this year but he featured prominently in that prince philip doc that aired this year prince philip the royal family remembers and it was so nice to hear from him. I feel like him and Anne together are such down-to-earth people is the impression I get. And very, I don't know, like the Zoom background we got of their household where it was just a, kind of a mess. It was Where they were watching everywhere. the sporting
2: event or something. Yeah. That was such a great glimpse into the <laughs> life of Anne. Like,
0: yeah, they are a breath of fresh air, I think, in a way. So um, next year will be their 30th wedding anniversary. And Rachel and I were talking about this kind of earlier this week, but how – You know, is 2020 or even 2021, is that another Annus Heribus? There's a lot going on this year with the royal family. We had obviously this year Prince Philip's passing, but also the Oprah interview was this year. Prince Andrew's scandal is obviously still making headlines then there's Charles's cash for access scandals, COVID. There's a lot that's been going on.
3: And
2: it's been a really, really tough year for yeah. so many, but the royals just the hits keep coming, I feel like. What do you think?
3: Well, it's so interesting, too, that Anne's second wedding happened in the middle of all that difficult stuff for the royal family because normally a royal wedding could be like the ultimate celebration to sort of lift everybody out of it. And because it's like a second wedding, I think it was probably, I mean, that's why it was smaller, right? And and kept much more private. Um, And there's, you know, looking on the horizon for royal weddings, we don't have any coming up. You know what I mean? Right. We really don't. It's going to be a while. And so like I think a lot about, you know I mean, in the time period between after Diana died and when Kate hit the scene, that was a very long time and it was a, it was a difficult stretch for the mm. royal family because they need those huge moments, right, right, to like lift everybody up. And so if you look forward to, what fun things are coming up you know i mean i hope you know maybe we'll see a picture of a at some point mm-hmm. or so you know her christening if yeah. they're gonna do that over there or if you know she'll have a chance to meet the queen um but Sienna's it's not the same it's yeah. a big as a big wedding to sort of get everybody back you know in Good spirits towards the royal family.
2: Totally, yeah. I feel like there's actually a lot of pressure on the Platinum Jubilee for that reason too. You know,
3: absolutely. Yes, I think the Jubilee, um, the plans sound like they're amazing, and everyone's just sort of holding their breath, yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: waiting for next summer. But it does, like to your point, Elizabeth, feel like we're we might be entering one of those kind of stretches now again. So it's kind of like no pressure lady louise windsor but
2: we're looking to you for <laughs> she just turned 18 right she's got looks, right she's got plenty like, of time no pressure like, no i really i really mean out. that no pressure <laughs> yes. oh my gosh yeah no 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 we want to about Megan's big win against the Mail on Sunday. And I want to just yes. kick this off with her statement and those two words, daily fail. The fact that Megan worked that in <laughs> was just a master class. I want to read the exact sentence that it was. It says, these harmful practices don't happen once in a blue moon. They are a daily fail that divide us and we all deserve better. That felt like a wink to all yeah. of us that are just, you know, in her corner and saying that all the time.
3: The other thing about living in California is I feel like I experience royal news the way Meghan and Harry might, where they wake up and Mm. like the first thing on their phone is, you know, what they see. And because that verdict came down so early in the morning UK time, I mean, she must have stayed up. Right? Like yeah. you would, of course she would. She would stay up to sort of hear and what that must have felt like to, you know, send out that statement. Oh and my fact, You know, I mean, everybody knows. So the Daily Mail is often referred to as the Daily Fail. And so for, I, I saw that and I was like, I had not had coffee. I was like, barely awake and I saw it and I was like, Did she say the Daily Fail? I was like, Did somebody make that up? Is that Photoshop? Like, what's going on? And then I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, it was just that whole statement. She, really made her voice heard and made it very clear the stakes here, not just for her, but for everybody in the sort of the toxic culture of the tabloid press. And like, what a thing to do, because there's a lot of ways you could approach a win like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for her to continue to sort of stand on her ground and, you know, hold her own and make her voice heard takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. I, really think I was really blown away.
0: I just think also to add to that, like not to you know not go quietly i guess like she yes. not just celebrate quietly like she is so happy about this one it's been 3 years in the making she called out the owner by name like i just think all these little things she included in her statement were just like the two big middle fingers up to the tabloids that she's fought for so long and that felt really good to see it from her because that you know we all know that that must that must feel so so rewarding to finally have have your day in
3: court and win. Well, don't you think it's kind of incredible that it came at the time that the princess and the press documentary was airing because mm. it was also like, I thought that was really, really well done in the ways in which it yeah. sort of introduced the relationship between the palace and the press and how complicated it is and how it sounds weird, but sort of human, the people who are, who cover her, you know, mm. and seeing them just <laughs> like talk and like, and, and seeing their agendas clear yeah. as day was sort of horrifying and, to understand, to have that sort of like as a primer going into this win and just understanding sort of what Megan had been through to have that all sort of recapped in such a really – Excellent way for those two hours with those two episodes, and then to have this del- this verdict be delivered, it was like wow.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: also really like that we th- through the princes in the press. We also had a visual of Jenny Afia, her attorney. Like I think that added a lot yeah. of context mm-hmm. for me to have that. And also, I just kept thinking of the cut piece, you know, the fight of Meghan Markle's life and how they were kind of at that juncture, not knowing how it was all going to play out. But like the fact that Meghan's win represents so much more. I mean, Meghan had has the means to see it through and not let it go. And that's what she did. And I feel like for so many black women in particular, they wish that they could stand up against these publishers and corporations. And just, yeah, I feel like Megan's victory was a really big victory. And it was very, very – just that statement just had so much power. What
0: did she – she said something like, I'll always fight for what's right. And this Mm -hmm. really is like – it does feel like, you know, she even said like I had no children when I started this legal battle. And now I have two. It's like it's been so long and she's always kept it up. Because it is the right thing to do. And I think that that, she made that clear in her statement, so.
3: Yeah, the choices that she's had to make here. And then, you know, because- honestly it probably would have been easier for her to just not do anything Mm -hmm. right you know i mean for her own mental health but to take this very public stance against this publication that had so clearly wronged her takes such courage you know Mm -hmm. to stand up in the middle of what was we now know especially from the oprah interview a very difficult time in her life yeah and to find that inner strength because it does set a precedent and because Mm -hmm. it does change the course for other women who may be in her position, it's just that that is that's huge, I think. And I, um, I really admire her because I don't know that everybody is that strong. Oh, you know, absolutely. To face something like that.
2: And the patience she had to have too, because I feel like mm-hmm. w- what we you know, via the princes in the press, but also just how watching it play out that this case and the appeal in itself generated so many additional headlines that were completely damaging. And she mentioned that in her statement that she had to just sit back and believe that it would work out in her favor. And I do want to point, you know, all three judges, the most senior in the country agreed that Megan's privacy was violated and her copyright claim is to be upheld and there would be no trial. And also the fact that the mail on Sunday and they have not actually been able to prove evidence that showed that the intent Megan intended the letter to be made public. So, I think that this appeal really took it on this different path where the headlines even during that were reshaping a different narrative that Megan conveniently forgot that she supplied information or briefed the authors of Finding Freedom and all of that that she had to kind of go through as she was waiting for this verdict to be read. It was like just a lot, I mean, what she had to endure.
0: Well, and I worry that, like, the fight is only just beginning because then there's the headline after her victory from the Daily Mail. It says, if Megan really wanted to fight for the truth, she would come to court. And in a land of liberty, judges who are not awed by royalty and cherish a free press would allow a trial. Like, they are so upset. And I well, think Well, and they're that talking
2: it, about the Supreme Court, too. They're like, maybe we'll take it to the Supreme Court. But I think the fact that they still yeah. don't have any- like they they haven't delivered on any proof that megan that this letter shouldn't have been stayed private i think that that's they won't be able to achieve that but I will say, I just wanted to mention that, you know, up next, damages are going to be determined by Justice Mark Warby. And Megan wants them on account of the profits that they earn. So how much did they make off of the harm that they inflicted, which is unique? And she also wants a front page apology. So I'm curious if we'll end up seeing that because that's, those are the stakes.
3: Which again, like asking for those things, right? Like she, that, that, that's huge because something I was struck by watching the princes in the press was, you know, I mean, I think here in America, we see a lot of the digital coverage and I see certainly the front pages but seeing the interior spreads and the graphic treatment you know of like just the awfulness over and over and the the ways in which it just sort of like leaps off the page and that like it's just the style of it was so aggressive seeing those newspaper spreads and i was like oh my god you know there are people walking around london like opening those papers and seeing these attacks and so it's like yes ask for a front page apology Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like get get insert yourself in there because that's what you are owed. Yeah. I think it's incredible that
0: she's (laughs) and a lot of times like it's for free. Like I remember visiting London a few times and like you walk out of the tube, the tube station and there's people handing them out. So it's not even like you have to pay for anything to read this tabloid, which means that way more people are reading it than you even think. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's weird to me is that like, I mean, everyone has the paper when they're on the tube. I think that that was interesting too. It's like, yeah.
2: And Roberta and I were even talking about the fact that like we were kind of Sensitized growing up, like the Enquirer and all those things, were at the supermarket checkout line always. But I always knew that they were not. Re- I don't know. It's just such a different culture <laughs> yeah, it's here like with aliens. And yeah, stuff. it would be yeah. like aliens landed,
3: and <laughs> yeah, it's a problem because there are you know at these tabloids there are respected journalists you know mm-hmm. at all of these mm-hmm. papers, and then there are you know the clickbait awful headline writers on the digital side, and there there are different degrees of that. And so I think it asks a lot of the news consumer today. I think about this a lot to sort that all out, mm-hmm. to understand, you know, to to read the byline, to know enough about that person, to understand their agenda, to see, you know what I mean? It's like, that's asking a lot of people yeah. who are really just reading the tweets, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like if we're, if we're talking about like not actually clicking through and reading the whole story and all that kind of stuff. And I was sort of, I was like slightly heartened by some revelations in The Princes in the Press that like some things were changing. Like a couple writers said like, well, we couldn't say that today. You know, and the mm-hmm. guy was yeah. like, You could, the, the host was like, You could say it four years ago, and I was fine. But like, at least people are learning that like some of the most, most egregious, most racist, most awful things they're not saying today, which yeah. is like a very, very small win, but it's something like people are at least picking up on what is not acceptable. Yeah. And one yeah. thing
2: we did want to mention too, you know, talking about the bigger picture and princes in the press is, you know, with the whole appeal, there's a lot of questions about whether or not the palace did sign off on Jason Knapp coming forward. And I think for Roberta, we were we were chatting earlier about just what's the end game there because we're seeing the resurfacing of the Kate Crying headlines. I don't know if you saw this, Elizabeth, mm. this interview with Kirsty Alsop. In the telegraph. Yes. And apparently her brother is the godson of Camilla Parker Bowles, but they're revisiting the crying story. It's it still says what Megan said in the Oprah interview that, you know, she confirmed that Kate did bring Megan flowers to apologize for making her cry, but then Kate cried again because Kate was mad that she lost her temper. But I think I'm just what why are these? Why is this becoming such a game of telephone? And then you get in your head of is this Kirsty, is she someone that was authorized to do this story via, like, the whole you know invisible you know media contract, all that stuff. Or was this? Is this just a relative that went off the rails, like a Uncle Gary of Kate's, or something? Yeah. Like again, she's it's asking real... a lot of us. Yeah, right? it's asking As a the lot of us who are
0: who are
3: parsing these stories. And so, at a certain point, I have made the decision to not engage. Yeah. Any mm-hmm. kind of traffic, any kind of click, even if you're just curious, even if you just want to see how awful they are it's traffic and they monetize traffic. And so you have to be so careful. And I'm very cognizant of that in terms of what I share on my platform because you're giving it life, you know, you're giving it like airspace. And some of this stuff, it's impossible to know. I mean, truly, like these reporters are never going to reveal their sources or Mm
0: -hmm.
3: the person, these people who are talking are not going to reveal their agendas. The Jason Knopf stuff, I was, you know, the finding freedom seemed like totally Irrelevant to this case, and right. I'm unclear why that came up. Um, but about the letter, the ways in which Megan went to lengths to make sure that her words were taken in their entirety—so smart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. she was very savvy, very smart. And at this point, she'd been subjected to so much already that mm-hmm. it's like, no, of course, of course, she would do that. Of course, she would number the pages. Of course, she would make yeah. sure that the, you know, like the way that it flowed. Of course. You would have that in the back of your mind, and I think about—I I think about them all at this time, and, and especially after the Prince and the President, yeah. just wondering like what it would feel like to know that every part of your life could be out there. What a yeah. way to live. How right. Absolutely exhausting. Can you imagine? I
2: can't. Exhausting. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And so that's
2: why- Because you have to I anticipate like my, everything. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yes.
3: To have to be ahead of it. And that's smart, right? Mm-hmm. That is, we should commend her mm-hmm. for what she, for thinking ahead like that. Yeah. For trying to protect herself.
2: Absolutely. And so
3: that that was the biggest thing from the Jason Knopf stuff for me. I mean, the- Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously, it got very ugly. And Megan's, again, I give her so much credit for continuing mm. to see this through- for standing up, for going forward, you know, like that takes a lot at a time when we know she was under an immense amount of pressure mm-hmm.
0: and duress. Yeah, yeah, and to think that she also like she took so many precautions for it to not be taken out of context, but also for it not to leak. Like she sent it, you know, via snail mail. She didn't yes. email it. She really took a lot of steps to not have it leak, and that was the whole. I think that was the whole case. Really was. Another thing is just that it was about copyright. You cannot publish someone's private correspondence in full. Like that is the bottom line. Like that yes. is the law and it they broke that. Like they could have published a paragraph of it. That's what he, the judge even said in his judgment. He was like, if you would addressed, you know, the the People magazine article, the questions that were raised with just one little sentence from the letter, she wouldn't have a case. She wouldn't have a case mm. at all. So it really is about copyright and it a private correspondence that's taken in full. So, yeah, very uh interesting. And let's also
3: just take a minute to just understand what her father is doing to her here. <sighs> it's it's unbelievable as a mother myself that I <sighs> think that you would do something like yeah. this to your child and that um I do not engage with anything, any appearances, no. he makes anything, because no. I, it, I find it so, so unfortunate. Megan is up against a lot, against the world in so many mm. ways, and you do not need your father
2: Attack, adding to that. And attacking her, yeah. I did want to quickly mention on the Sussex front, we did have some an essay from Harry in Fast Company that's definitely worth a read. The headline is very striking. Oh, I loved um, this. About yeah. quitting, how quitting can be good for your mental health. And it's about his role. You know, he's chief impact officer for Better Up. And it's about what's kind of ahead for him. He's going to be focusing a lot on servicemen and women, veterans and their families. And uh, yeah, I think it's, you know. Well, Rachel, you have a personal experience with well, this. Yeah, Tell so, what about had, your
0: BetterUp trial?
2: Well, through PureWow, I've had the chance to test BetterUp for the last three months. And because I'm very, I'm very curious about the platform and in general, and I had reached out to them just as a wellness expert for a different story about mental health. And it has been, you know, I've had weekly sessions with a coach who's very different th- than a therapist. It's really looking at the future and sort of career goals and things like that. And um, it's it's been pretty life-changing. Okay. I'm really getting into like e- evaluating the emotions I feel throughout my workday, patterns. A big thing we're working on right now is how I think all of us do this, where it's the, the dichotomy of thinking fast and thinking slow at the same time—that's a book that was given mm. to me via my coach at BetterUp. But it's basically how when you're thinking fast and we're going through our days, it's very emotional. We're not, you know, we're in, and intuitive. But when you're making slow decisions, maybe about the trajectory of your life or your career, you you should at the same time be deliberate and self-aware and. I've been – I'm really sad for the trial to end, first of all, but I hope that all companies really go all in on BetterUp because I'm just so impressed by what a difference it makes. So even in the onboarding, like, they ask you 150 questions just to join BetterUp, and they're all about, like, your interactions with your manager. How do you feel after this conversation, a regular one-on-one or a meeting about something hard, like – it's very spot on. So that was my little – I promise that's not that's like, really, sponsored. No, I just not, not sponsored it, at at really been no, it is it. really cool yes. though. Yeah. I know. And I think it's
0: so cool that you just get to talk to someone who's like t- just st- – Someone across the country, right? They're
2: in the Midwest, and like, yeah, they're they're, my coach is based the, in the Midwest. So I always joke, yeah. I'm like, sorry about the traffic in New York, and he's like, don't mind the chickens. <laughs> 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 it's Very cool. I'm very into it. So, anyways, I loved that essay from Harry, and I think I love that they're like role promoting for
3: too, like thinking things through and and rethinking things. Mm-hmm. Right? I I really appreciated this, like reframing quitting. Yeah. Because, yeah, Like, what a powerful thing. You know, I mean, I I, I if anything has come out of I don't know, the last two years at this point with the pandemic and everything that's happened in the royal world. It's the need to just like sit for a second and rethink some things. Like it really, I, I think it's wonderful that they're
2: doing that. Well, and I feel like yeah. this is the perfect segue into our walk with Prince William, which was yeah. also kind of a delight. I have to say, I know. Roberta, take a us lot away. Of
0: <laughs> introspection was done on this little um, time to walk and Apple Fitness Plus special with Prince William. So it, it was kind of announced this weekend and aired Monday, and it was available to anyone, not just Apple Fitness subscribers, on Monday at three different time slots. So you could tune into Apple Radio and get it. Um, Luckily, Rachel and I have a little trial of it, so we got to listen. And I never heard of Time to Walk before. I don't do Apple Fitness. I hadn't
2: either, and I yeah. set oh, it all up. Okay. Have you done it, Elizabeth?
0: So I am an Apple Watch
3: devotee. Well, same, but like I didn't do
0: that. I don't I, know the
3: bells. Well, so I go on a lot of walks with my kids oh. and I, um, always like click I'm walking on here and I'm so I'm with my kids. And so I'm never actually listening, but I always see the first thing that pops up when you click that you're walking is, are the faces of whoever is doing the walk that week. And I've, I've listened to a couple and I, and I love the idea. I'm never walking by myself usually. So I don't, I haven't listened to all of them, but I always thought, gosh, I wonder if Megan will do one of these. Cause I love her voice yes. and her voice over voice. I think it's like she just has a wonderful voice from that elephant um, documentary. Yes, yeah. that was,
2: Yes, I got so. That was right what? when we took over the podcast. That was like one of oh, our first yeah. episodes. I feel like was the elephant documentary when that came out. It was oh my so god, good.
3: I, yeah. my kids and I watched it all the time. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, I wonder if Megan would ever do this. And since Harry had worked with Apple, I thought, okay, let's see. And so when Will was announced, I was so surprised, but but also like intrigued because it's 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 a great format. It's like a podcast, but it's not. You know, it's like you just, it's just him talking. And so it's like intimate like that, yeah. but on his terms. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. It, and I'm totally sold. I listened to after his. I listened to Dolly Parton. I downloaded a bunch of the other ones. Dolly Parton's oh. is amazing. <laughs> I listened to her. Amazing. <laughs> I didn't know she was one of 12 kids. Like, not that that's like, she talks about all these stories of her life growing up. But, anyways. So, yeah, Prince William, it is super intimate. It is, you can hear the gravel kind of crunching under his feet. It feels like you're walking with him, which was really. Cool. There were songbirds. He's walking by Sandringham, um, St. Mary Magdalene Church, where they go for Christmas services. That was so
3: interesting to me, that setting, just because it was like everybody can picture that. Yeah. Like you can picture. And so it did help sort of place him for me. Like I was like, because you do want to, when you're like listening, you want to sort of envision that. Envision where wherever that person happens to be and they did a wonderful job. Yeah. Did, well in the
0: picture popped up. Did you see that? You, yeah, like, yeah, 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 the picture pops up of him in front, and you're like, wait, oh, this is so cool. Like you do yeah. feel like you're really there. Well,
2: and did they eventually walk into Anmer Hall? Like that when he was like, Oh, this is my front door or something. I was like, wait, what? Like he was like, I thought that was so interesting. We talked about that. sheep in the fields, a pond here, ducking. You goose. hear their, felt-
0: their gate open at Anmer Hall. Yeah, it really felt like it, for for royal devotees who are like I like wonder what they eat and like, I just feel like that was like so cool to hear like them walking into their own home. And he was like, I hope the kids are exhausted and I hope they're asleep. And I was like, Oh
2: wow. Relatable. relatable, whatever."
0: I felt like, I felt like this, there were a lot of choices made hearing back
3: to the choices idea, but they, the choices place it in the country to make it very relatable, make it very like, Hey, we're just going for a walk. And you know, I'm a, tired dad too like that yeah i don't know that really that brings him down to a place of the people you know yeah. like the parenting not, you know, stuff yeah. with and all the royals
2: the always is like a big hook i feel like for me like that sort of mom role i feel like it just always or dad in this case but it's you know it just always is a common ground
3: and it's such a departure right because the right. queen had such a different approach to raising charles mm-hmm. and charles i you know i Diana ushered in a new era and so anytime you see them with their kids it feels very familiar to us but I think to another generation it's still there's still some novelty there that they would be such involved parents.
0: Mm -hmm. Well and speaking of Diana she kind of gets a shout out with one of the songs so the format if if our listeners don't know is they tell kind of three stories about their lives as they're walking and you can kind of hear you know the ambient atmospheric sounds around them and then they do three songs and you kind of get context for the songs they choose so the first story was about a traumatizing accident involving a child when William was an air ambulance pilot and he relates it to mental health the second is about his time in Kenya and conservation and then a funny story about a benefit concert with Taylor Swift and Bon Jovi which was really kind of sweet Um, and then the three songs there's Tina Turner's The Best, which he talks about listening to with Diana on his way to boarding school, and um, Harry's in the car as well. And there's a security officer, so here's a, a clip from that.
1: When I was younger, Harry and I were boarding school, and my mother used to play all sorts of songs to kind of while away at the anxiety of going back to school. And one of the songs I, I massively remember and stuck with me all this time, I still to this day still quite enjoy secretly is Tina Turner's the best. Because sitting in the back seat, singing away, it felt like a real family moment. My mother, she'd be driving along, singing at the top of her voice. And we'd even get the policeman in the car, he'd be occasionally singing along as well. He'd be singing and listening to the music right the way out into the gates of school when they dropped you off. And, And that's when reality kind of sunk in that, you know, you really were getting back to school. Because before that, you're lost in song, you sort of want to play it again, just to keep that family moment going. And, and when I listen to it now, it takes me back to those car rides and brings back lots of memories of my mother.
0: And I like, Can we play Tina Turner right now? I know, it just started <laughs> playing right as that. we cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I totally got Spencer flashbacks. Obviously, he hadn't. I was going to say, that was relax? exactly
3: because I feel like they have to know that the visual of Kristen as Diana in the car in the opening of Spencer. And then I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, later on, in Spencer, like, yeah, was that that was
2: intentional? Was that had to? Well, I I was like, when would
3: when would Apple have recorded this? Like, I don't know their lead times. But also, the like driving scene was part of the preview and the promo of Spencer, so we've known about the driving scenes before the film was out. So it to me felt very much like okay, we're gonna reframe that, you know, like we're gonna like we're gonna I'm gonna reclaim. A little bit of that well he's like it's for my it, own family yeah
0: and he's like it's not all i need is a miracle <laughs> it's tina turner's the yeah. best so like
3: i think yeah. it's like a fact yeah. which fact also, check really also there is a you know there is there was a security officer in the car you know like yeah. that yeah him sort of like very subtly oh yeah um, that's an interesting point version, because that that would know? be
2: an important detail that security so the fact
3: that he mentioned that um was a real, like, oh yeah, royals are not like us, right? Yeah. Like, yes. He would
2: have a security
3: officer. But then it also makes the moment like it was so fun that even, you know, the security guard would want to join in kind of thing. And so it's like there's a lot to that little tidbit there. And I'm a big believer that they plan all this stuff. So he wouldn't have said that if he didn't mean to say that.
0: It's like, you know, he hasn't seen Spencer, but how, it's just like so, it like or hit do the we? nail on the head. We know? Well, <laughs> I, know. I think. I don't, know. I, think I, I don't
3: know. I don't know. I can't imagine. Oh yeah i guess i, mean, I can't I, say for sure it's their responsibility i think to be obviously aware right True. yeah at the very least True. about what's being talked about in the family and yeah yes. as somebody who lost my mom i can't imagine all these portrayals of my yeah you know my mother in the media um but also he his whole life has had his mother you know hey,
0: anyway right. he must be used to it a little bit by now it must be hard
2: yeah in so many ways well oh and elizabeth gosh, you yeah. touched
0: on this earlier but like The natural thing we would expect, I think, when an Apple TV comes forward that they're working with a royal is Harry or Meghan because there's that relationship there with the Oprah series. But then William and Apple Fitness Plus, do we think, you know, I want to pose this question just to anyone in general, but do we think the Cambridges are kind of proving you can do both? You can be a royal and also have these commercial projects. You know, Apple, I think it was reported, donated five-figure sums to three of the charities of Williams choice for this. So not that they're profiting off it, but that there is, it's it's like, almost like Harry and Meghan kind of opened the door for these big, big tech companies to kind of, you know, ha- tell the royal stories as well, that this is the modern day royal collaboration that we are kind of all waiting for. I have thoughts on this. <laughs> the first being
3: that Harry and Meghan are always criticized, right? Mm-hmm. For when they are, as the first movers here. And I saw very little criticism of William choosing to do this. And so I think we need to acknowledge that Harry and Meghan have paved the way in many ways, like you said, but also taken a lot of the heat. And... Mm that feels unfair yeah every headline (laughs) Um,
2: i think it was like on people it was you know maybe six in a row i was looking at the royals feed that i always check and it's just like it was all the sharings that william revealed but it was nothing about this kind of like how could he work with apple Yeah, do
3: a deal yeah with apple i also think that um working with a tech company gives them control of the narrative you know they Mm -hmm. have um editorial control in a way that working with you know doing an interview with a magazine would not Mm -hmm. to at least not to that extent and so i think sometimes you know When you think about who they're partnering with and apple obviously has a massive platform so they can get a lot of exposure and retain that control Mm -hmm. you know it's a little bit like the um photos that they release of their family when Mm. they're just sort of you know when kate and kate's garden you know um at the chelsea garden show and they're just sort of frolicking around they're beautiful but they're approved photographs right they are controlling what's out there about them and so this um to me felt very controlled as well um again you understand after watching the princess in the press you know why they would want to do something like that but it's just a reminder that this is all sort of a machine yeah Putting out there that they want to sort of steer us as royal watchers in a certain direction
0: but also like such a you know it is a controlled narrative but it's such a groundbreaking year to hear from them so much i mean the past two years have been with them you know taking to zoom and doing these collaborations and kind of really really opening up like this feels really i was kind of surprised at how like little we've heard prince william talk about his personal life i think that that's pretty rare for him so i mean yeah like have megan and harry paved the way this felt really intimate and you know, hearing him talk about the kids, like we only got snippets of that when there were royal visits and there's not as much of that anymore. And that was from the fans who were kind of mm. the secondhand sources. So it's it's nice to have this whole 38 minutes devoted to, you know, Prince William's personal life. I, don't well, know. I think
2: in general, I just always love whether it whoever the royal, it's just really nice to have a first person, but it is very controlled. What we're hearing is just yeah. – it's like I think we so – infrequently get to hear their voice that it's the part that makes this all so exhausting is questioning whether the sources have validity and so it is a breath of fresh air to hear his voice I think and that's sometimes gets lost and like wait well then you're like but let's evaluate further like how much you know all of this was controlled the message and what Mm -hmm. we're hearing these three anecdotes and that kind of stuff it was all curated
3: Do you remember Kate on the podcast when she did the podcast Mm -hmm. um, talking about like – That was right before the the pandemic. Wasn't that January 2020? Was that Giovanna Fletcher, that that one? Yeah. Her sort of – you heard like a little bit of nervousness in her voice and she was answering questions and it was, you know, a longer form and it was so cool to hear her on a podcast and it did feel authentic in a way. You know what I mean? Mm. It felt like – I mean, I'm sure all those questions were approved and, you know I mean? I'm sure there was a lot behind the scenes of negotiations happening, but it had a different feel than this – and I think there's a place, then, then Williams, you know, Walk with Apple, I think there's a place for both of them. And I yeah. think it's also the royal family knows that they don't give a lot. And so when they give yeah. these little tidbits, we're all like, woo you know, we get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't get a lot of them. Yeah. And we love those visuals in our head, you know what I mean? And we love to hear those little tidbits and those tidbits, you know, will be repeated for decades to come. You know I mean? People will latch onto those. Um, and I think it's really... Smart And of course, they're very careful and Mm -hmm. calculated about what they put out there. But um, it does, I think, in a year when we have not seen them as much as we normally would have seen them. And we don't, you know, they're certainly not been the same like royal tours and things like that because of the pandemic that that finding these creative ways to like be out there um, is exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. Podcast and
2: as a whole, I'm a fan of, though. Like, Archible oh, Audio, yeah. like, let's bring all this, you know, more I know, of I'm this. am ready for that. In our yes. ears. Yes. 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 So, so ready. Because it is so
3: intimate, and it's not, you know, it's not the visual, right? It's not the fashion. You don't have to do all of that. You can just have a conversation yes which is amazing Mm
0: -hmm. yes well one more thing on the cambridge's is that there's an update on kate's carol concert which i'm super excited for so the members of the royal family will be there it was confirmed in a statement from the palace plus performances by ellie golding which we know performed at their wedding and also leona lewis so it's airing christmas eve on itv which feels like for everyone it's it's being filmed december 8th so this week but I'm so excited. I hope the kids are there. I can't wait. I bet we'll see
3: them. That's my bet, but I don't have any any inside information. I just feel like that's a (laughs) very important thing.
0: Give the people what they want, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and I think too, like, we hopefully won't have to wait till Christmas Eve to see any snippets because it's in Westminster Abbey. And I would think that they would have, like, you know, at least some press there to capture them arriving, the arrivals. I don't I'm know. expecting so, the I'm carpet hoping. or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there will be
3: some sort of arrival moment. I don't want yeah. yeah. to that long. <laughs> I know. I just am. <laughs> so we're
0: going to move to our Instead of our normal highs and lows, Elizabeth is going to do a quick mini Q and A, rapid About fire oil <laughs> trivia. Look at her holding up the book. I'll do the same. I don't have it, so I'll just oh, be like, so I'll do jazz gosh.
2: hands.
3: <laughs>
0: so excited for you guys! Thank you. And it's out December 21st. Elizabeth, take it away. Grill us. You have the floor. Royal Trivia, your guide to the
3: modern British royal family. It's – you guys, it's a book. Like I don't know what I was expecting. I, I mean I think sometimes you hear trivia and it just be like, oh, like a couple questions in yeah. there. But I want you all to know to have the visual that it is – pages and pages of paragraphs and paragraphs. It is a book. You
1: wrote a book. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we had to cut oh a good gosh, amount of words, kind. actually.
2: It was yeah. really funny. But it was very important to us to have the trivia questions, but really make it storytelling as well. Because I think that knowing the full arc of these little details or headlines that you hear about, we wanted to give the context. Okay. Amazing.
0: Okay. So back up first. Why did you want to write this book? So, we were approached to write this book earlier this year, um, or actually late last year. It kind of all happened in January, really, but we were approached la- late last year. Um, and we really felt like, you know, doing this podcast, we started in April of 2020. Have I got that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, kind of timed with, you know, the onset of COVID too, but we had always followed the Royals, Rachel and I, through our work at Pure Wow um, and just outside of our professional lives as well. And we thought that trivia was an interesting and unique way to tell that story. Um, and really fun because I think what's exciting about this is you can kind of make it into a game a little bit. Like my mom was telling me she's so excited to quiz her friends at book club about the book and then read the passages to them when they like don't get it right. So I think it is, it's a really fun way to do it. It's, it's, uh, it's something that, um, we never thought we would be writing a book together, but when they asked us to do this, we were totally on board and so excited about it. Anything to add to that? No, I
2: feel like it was just also such a thrill that we could do it together. I think that yeah. that was a really fun part yeah, of ta- the opportunity. Talk about
0: that process,
3: Rachel, because I wrote a book by myself and it was very lonely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My own little silo. So tell me, how did you guys do this It was, I, I joke, I mean, I'm, but it's not a joke that I think Roberta truly, and I'm saying this with total sincerity, but has really saved me a lot during the pandemic. I think she was like my, you know, I'm not kidding. During this book writing process, it would be 11 PM and we'd be falling asleep on the phone. Like I talked to her more than I talked to my sister this year. Like I just, (laughs) I feel like we were just always collaborating, but Roberta in particular is also this like incredibly type A person in the, in the best possible way where she kept us so organized. And I think together we were able to play off of each other. We had a regular writing routine of weekends, like Saturdays. I would, my husband would watch my son. It was like this through the pandemic. I would go and buckle down and write and research. And then we really kind of tried to trade off on sections. Like we had, we have very clear sections in the book. We would come up with the questions together and brainstorm conversations, but then we would each write, but then trade the manuscripts back and forth a lot. And I think that that was just yeah. a very collaborative process. And we could just, work so closely on so many details of it. Roberta, what would you add?
0: With a co-author, You, we learned this throughout the whole process, but you kind of have a built-in editor right away, yes. which is really nice. So we really did get a chance to read over everything that each, that each person wrote. And that was lovely in itself that we got to kind of edit each other. And what sort of, so, okay. So you guys mentioned that the book
3: has sections. So it's it's divided by the Cambridges, the Sussexes. Princess Diana, Prince Charles. They got their own separate sections, which I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) We could have put them together as a relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Not at all. And the queen. (laughs) And so, again, I'm bringing my own book writing experience to this, but how did you sort of wrap your arms around the material? Because for each of these very public figures, there is a ton out there. So how did you, like, curate and edit down? A
0: ton. Well, And we really – I mean – like you, Elizabeth, we love the modern monarchy. I think that that's what's so fun and exciting is to follow the younger royals. But we also felt it was remiss not to have the queen, not to have Princess Diana. I mean, we both are huge fans of Diana as well, not to have Prince Charles. We did have people on the cutting room floor. I will say <laughs> that. that There were people we had to to weed out because we thought, you know, these five sections, it's the Cambridges, the Sussexes, Diana, Charles, and the queen were really the, you know the major, major characters in this story. And so we wanted to tell that and then really to know that we could lean so heavily on first person accounts. Like we talked about this earlier in the show, but to have, you know, from the horse's mouth to have Royals talking about themselves, that's what we really wanted to do with our research was to leave it up to them to tell their stories along with, you know, the publisher had gave us access to the telegraph and the times and people archives. So you know, we got to kind of weed through a lot of the noise and get to really what was the heart of the story and the context behind all this trivia.
2: Well, and I was going to say just in terms of how we narrowed it down because there is so much information, I do think we had sort of a cheat sheet via The Crown. I mean, we have our own personal experiences because we've grown up with William and Harry and that was, you know, easier to kind of curate what we wanted because we've lived through so much of it. But with The Queen and people like that, we really tried to pick the – the headlines where there might be A, misconceptions, or B, just the things that people are buzzing about and use it as an opportunity to really ans- look at that headline, answer a lot of what that headline was about, but then give the sort of backstory in more detail. Whether it's the fact that like Diana flubbed a line in her wedding vows, but what was the circumstance of that? Like the the pressure that she was under, the age that she was, all the, pre- the anticipation of that celebration and all of that stuff. I think that was a really fun part of cherry-picking the questions we put in because it was, Mm -hmm. like we said, very hard to pick.
3: (laughs) So the way that the book is structured, um, there are bold questions that start each section and then paragraphs that sort of explain it. So it says, when Princess Diana gave birth to her firstborn son, Prince William, it wasn't at Buckingham Palace. Where was it? And I love that that could be a very quick answer, but you guys sort of dive in and explain sort of the backstory here. So tell me about – how people are supposed to experience, because I feel like I could sit down and read this book cover to cover. Mm. I could also pick it up when I'm with a royal loving friend and ask them as questions. So which
0: which sort of reader experience were you envisioning when you wrote this?
2: Oh, that's a very good question.
0: To me, it's both, because I think you can, you can do quick fire, like play with friends at cocktail hour or whatever, and try to like drill them on the questions, see if they get it right, and then provide the context. And that's what we felt was really important about how we formatted this book and the answer formatting as well. And the lengthier answers was that you need context for all the Royal stuff, like stuff for lack of a better word, but you do, you need, you need to have the full picture in order to kind of figure out, you know, Williams, uh, asking Kate to propose before he asked her father, you know, to, or to marry him before he asked Michael Middleton, you know, his nerves, he said that he didn't think Michael would say yes until Kate's approval. So I think that those things are just, it's so enlightening to know the full backstory and that that's, uh, why we wanted to do it this way,
2: and I think also envisioning the reader, like I do, feel like as royal watchers, you want to prove your your knowledge, right? You want to be like, yeah, it was at this exact. This is where he was born, right? But it's like then I always find like I was out at dinner with friends on Friday night, and we started talking about. I think it was Megan's court case or something, and it it's like you want all that extra info. You don't. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes something where you have the quick answer: yes, she won. You know, if that was the question, which is not obviously in this book because of when it was <laughs> written. But I think then you want to be able to illuminate and show your expertise on the additional backstory and all the sort of um, basically what was really going on around that moment and that sort of very cut and dry fact.
0: Well, and I think Elizabeth, you know this so, so well that like the interesting little parts that I think people who really are devoted to the royals find interesting is the things that we didn't know that much about before and when you talk about these stories it really sheds light on that for example the sheep sweater like the the ring snag she had two sweaters that were made and because she loved it so much and because um we found out Joanna and Sally told us that it was they heard because her engagement ring was so unwieldy that they it snagged on the inside of the sweater. So I think they verified like like,
2: yours in the in your book and our podcast interview which was awesome.
0: (laughs) HRH is a source for us for sure.
2: Did you
3: ever I mean did you drive yourself nuts fact checking this kind of stuff because same I was just like there's so much out there and this is like so chock full of information so but how did you yeah. Like, talk about your your sources.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've really relied on publications that we felt were reputable in our eyes, whether it was New York Times, People, The Telegraph, or The Times, things like that. But I think that we also really had a strong fact-checking team. And then even when we got the fact-checking back, we did – I mean, we're used <laughs> to fact-checking so much of our own work in our reporting at our jobs at Pure Wow and Gallery Media Group. And I think that we then put those skills to use. Like, I always think my previous job was good housekeeping and um, before I was at Pure Wow and the fact checking team there was just phenomenal and it was like mm-hmm. you know the whole if your mother says you love she loves you check it out was sort of like <laughs> <laughs> so I think that like those kinds of things were really something that we took very seriously and um and it was very important to us to really feel that we could we had some level of trust and we could even confirm or corroborate is that the right word across many sources and
0: yeah it wasn't just well and Rachel thing. and Rachel mentions like I'm type A, but I think we're both a little type A, but in the best way. But that also made the fact checking, I think, really, really thorough and with a fine tooth comb around everything. We wanted to have at least a couple sources to back everything up, which I think nowadays, you know, we keep mentioning the documentary, The Princes and the Press, but to have more than just One palace source or whatever it is, like I think a mall. The Daily Mail was really drilled them on
1: that.
3: Yeah, no, (laughs) the Daily Mail, the tabloids were not a source. Yes. Okay, so there was there one for each of you, one like teaser of something you learned that you didn't know about, like one surprising piece of context or one thing that you're like, oh, huh, I didn't realize that before. I was working on this book. Is there something that we? as readers can look for.
2: I think one of my favorite learnings was just that Kate Middleton had such, I mean, we know she's got so many talents, but the fact that she had a lot of acting abilities as well when she was growing up in boarding school and things like that, that she starred as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, and you can Google that. Like, I feel like there are actual there's actual yeah. clips of her in that performance singing, and she has a beautiful voice. I think that was something that just blew my mind. I had no idea, and maybe that was something that I just missed. But I don't feel like I've heard that really that much. I mean, so we need to listen to her at the Carol concert. Yes, right? she better yes. be singing loudly. I mean, right,
0: your <laughs> boy. She has good, um, Acapella. you know, tune. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Roberta?
0: Um, I-, I loved hearing or learning more about. Um, The Sussexes and and Megan's activism, I think a lot of times we reference that Procter and Gamble, Gamble, the famous, you know, commercial, um, that she wrote to people about and got to star on Nick News, um, about how ivory dish soap should change their slogan. But that really wasn't the first, you know, start that wasn't the start of her activism, I should say, um. At age 10, according to um, researched biography from Andrew Morton, Megan organized a protest of the Gulf War when she heard one of her classmates express his doubts over his older brother um, being uh, going overseas. So, you know, there's video footage of her holding a, sw- a sign. She's only 10 years old, and it's so sweet. But I think to knowing that there's uh, her childhood, I guess, that was, that was really interesting. I love how those insights
3: inform what we watch today because, like,
0: mm-hmm. yes, that little
3: girl holding a sign at a war protest would would speak up on her own behalf, you know, in a suit against the Daily Mail. It's like you see these like little kernels of the yeah. royal women that
0: are sort of so public and prominent that we watch today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's full circle for sure. It feels like it's like once you know the context, the full story kind of appears. So yeah. It's really fun. Well, yay!
3: Yeah, thank oh, you
2: so much. I feel like this is so amazing. Yeah. But I just want to tell everybody to pre-order. Oh, pre-order thank so you can have this in time Elizabeth. for Christmas. It's so thank exciting.
3: You so much. Congratulations, and I love, I love the pink cover. Oh, and Amelia Noy like is doing jumps. her little
2: pillows. It was such a
3: treat amazing. to work with her on that. So I
0: love that. I, yeah, I, lo- I love everything about it. So congratulations.
1: <laughs> thank, you. Thank,
2: thank you. Thank you so, so much.
0: much. This is so much fun to get quizzed by the author of HRH herself, and you're doing a big giveaway now as well, a Christmas yes. giveaway. It's awesome. Yeah. So yes, everyone exciting. should enter that. yeah. and uh, pre-order Royal Trivia. Like she mentioned, it's out december twenty first and I think everyone who's pre-ordered will actually get the book that day. So that's really awesome. And also call your local independent bookstore. Yes, any book. I think this is
3: something that people don't realize. any bookstore can get any book. And so they might have it and they might not. But either way, call, put it on their radar. It's a wonderful thing to support your favorite authors. Yes. yeah,
0: and independent bookstores and local, yeah, local stores as well awesome all right just a reminder before we close leave us a royal rating remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast until next week god, god save, the, save pod. the
2: pod i, I was wanted you I'm <laughs> to chime in. no i would i love it. You're, in, it you're well you're like
0: a pro at this by this point I, I need <laughs> to stop i'm not you're the third member of yeah. this yeah. <laughs> no.